Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, We are continuing in this series uh, called Born, where we're looking at the special deliveries in the Bible uh, that had an impact, that still have an impact on us today, and where the child grew and had an impact, a big impact for God's kingdom. I got to see Donnie's first message, um, and seeing that little video made me want to go home and... uh, pick up the album my mom gave me, a little photo album, because births just have this way of bringing back memories and there's stories that are associated with that. And uh, there's the obvious ones. You know, when I look in here, mom's got a picture of me, you know, born April 5th, 1966, premature, spent lots of time in an incubator. I don't think it did any good. I'm still stunted in my growth, but that's the obvious but I got to talk to her as I was preparing for the message, and what I discovered is there's a lot more of the story that a picture just doesn't capture. And births have that, that way about them that there's so much more than actually what's there. And, you know, my mom went on to tell, say that, you know, for Leslie, who was um, the first child, uh, I look at her picture, the obvious, you know, you get her birthday and stuff, but... Um, for mom, when I look at her in the picture, there's a sense of relief. Well, I didn't understand that fully until I talked to mom and realized that mom had three miscarriages prior to Leslie being born. And so she, you know, just having her there, there was a great sense of relief that came because she said she cried out for her child. Uh, she wanted one so badly. So this is a story I, did, I didn't, didn't get to hear except through her. Um, and then my brother, who's the last, you know, I'm in the middle. My brother's the last child. And there is, you know, joy in mom's face. But one of the things that I learned about was, and, and I knew this as a child, but they kept it kind of quiet, was that there was relief, there was sadness and relief on mom's face. But I couldn't understand to the degree because between me and John was little Charlene. And mom talked about Charlene went full term Mom and dad got to hold Charlene for just a couple moments in in the delivery room before she passed away. So this is a story, you know, I heard of a mom who was crying out, who was desperate for a child, that this couldn't give me, but there were stories that surrounded the birth. And I want to look at a story today of a mother who was crying out, who was desperate for a child as well. And we're going to look, uh, the ushers are going to bring Bibles down because a Bible's better than even a photo album. Because you're going to, in the Bible, we've got the story. They'll, they'll come by, just, you know, signal to them if you need one. We always put them out as you're coming in. You can grab one. If you do not have a Bible, just take one. It is our gift to you. Uh, just believe the words in there are true. They are words from God to you. He loves you and he calls you into a relationship Um, And that, I look at that as my manual for life. So if you don't have one of those manuals, go ahead and grab one of them. Um, But we're going to look at today's story because we've got the obvious story of this mother. We'll look at it. But we got the bigger story, God's bigger story in that book. And so we get to look at the story through kind of different lenses and get some different perspectives and see the impact to them and to us now. So the story we're going to look at is Hannah. It's in the Old Testament, page 187 of the Bibles that we just handed out. It's chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1. 
Hannah was crying out um, for a child. That was, it was the thing of her heart. She was so desperate for a child. And in those opening verses, it says that in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much. That in bitterness of soul meant that there was deep anguish that was going on there. She was upset. She was distressed. And so she was crying out. This theme of crying out is what I kind of want to look at this morning. Because her birth experience and then her child growing up dealt with this whole thing of crying out. What is inside your heart that, that you're crying out for? And so she was crying out for a child. And maybe in her cry this morning, either directly or indirectly, maybe you can hear your cry in hers or in some of the other folks we're going to look at today, and they will still have an impact on you. For her, her womb was empty. She was unable to have children. And so she was, you know, just crying out, desperate for a child. Back then, it was a disgrace not to have a child, a husband and wife not to have a child. So she felt that her basic need to, you know, be fruitful and increase in her family there, she couldn't even meet that. And so she was upset. And furthermore, she was taunted. There were people that were reminding her about her situation. They provoked her. They reminded her what was going on, which made it even worse. And she was at the point where she could not even be comforted. Her husband even came to her and said, listen, don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? And you just read, she wouldn't eat. She didn't even respond. She wouldn't eat. And just says she was downcast. And if we were doing that hostage series that we just finished, Hannah would be one of those that we'd look at for depression. She was absolutely depressed. And there was nothing anybody could do. Because she felt that she was being denied something that she so desperately wanted. And she looked at the situation and she didn't really see it changing. And so she felt lonely, she felt rejected, and she felt ashamed. Is there something in your life that you wanted so badly? Maybe you're there now. Is there something that you desire so much that it rules your heart and it's just, you haven't, it hasn't been within your grasp? And that's the cry of your heart this morning. Maybe you feel lonely where you look around at others and it's just a reminder that you don't have what you, what you desire most. Maybe you feel rejected. She felt rejected by God. I think it even says in verse 6 that he closed her womb. So she has felt rejected by God and probably rejected by others. This went on year after year for Hannah, but there came a point where it changed. She made a move that she's remembered for. If you know your biblical characters, when you think of Hannah, you think of this. Certainly she was devoted and she was faithful, but what she did in verses 11 through 18, you'll remember, she prayed. She is a woman of prayer. Whenever somebody ever says prana, prana, <laughs> Hannah, they think prayer. Um, and she prayed so desperately, you, you read in the verse 11 through 18, that it says her mouth moved, but no words were coming out. And in the middle of that prayer, she prayed, she, she dedicated, if I were to have a child, I dedicate him to the, a lifetime of service for you. 
So this thing she wanted the most, she was giving away. It was common back then for you to dedicate your child. It was, but it was kind of a temporary exchange. You would take that child, you would give it to the priest, and then you would pay the priest back. And the whole thing was ceremonial. You get the child back. It was to remind you that that child is really a gift from God. But here, Hannah was, she wasn't going to buy him back. He was giving him for a lifetime of service. And we could go down that route, but it's a for, her little actions there are foreshadowing of what Christ did for us. The ultimate payment. And there was a high priest, as she was praying, there was a high priest over here, Eli, and he was just looking at her, and he thought that she was drunk, and he rebuked her. And she says these words to him. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. See, this was a pivotal point for Hannah, and we ought to pay attention to what she did. She poured out her soul. You, me, her, we all have stuff. I can't see it, but you know what you got in there. There's a lot going on here that you guys don't see and that we don't see one another. But there are joys, there are expectations, there is sadness, a whole bunch of this stuff. And when the heaviness of life weighs on you, you can tend to carry that stuff and carry that stuff. And she got to the point where she couldn't carry it anymore and she just poured out her soul. That's just another way for saying she prayed. You see that throughout Scripture. Paul talks about it. He said, pray continually. Jesus said, pray at all times. But pouring out your soul, she poured it out. And the giants of Scripture, when you look at it, and if you think of the most wise person, mature Christian, I guarantee you that in their life, they make a habit of pouring out their soul. But not just pouring out their soul to themselves or to someone else. It's pouring it out to God. Hannah had poured out, you know, she had kept it all in. She was turning inward with the heaviness of life. And it just got to a point where she couldn't do that anymore. And as I was prepping for this, it reminded me of with it being cold outside, we have a wood pile behind our house. And I go out and I get wood and bring it in. But I repeat this mistake all the time. I go out there and I get one log and another log and then another log and then another log and another log. Then I'm doing this. And I know some of you dads are probably doing this. And I'm walking in the house like, I never make it. I just, the wood falls. There comes a point where it's too heavy. That's where Hannah was. She couldn't bear it any longer. And that's right because we are not meant to carry life's burdens. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He goes on to say, hey, this is my paraphrase. Give me your burden. Take my yoke upon you. It is a lot lighter than what you're carrying. You're not meant to just take everything in. We say it this way. We say we just, uh, we bottle it up. We hide it. That's not what we're meant to do. We're to pour out our soul to God. You see that throughout Scripture as well. 
This affected her. That little time there, and she probably went away and did that even more, but this time pouring out her soul affected her. First thing it did, and it will do for you as well, your priorities will be reordered in a good way. She went into this where she wanted a child for herself. But she came out of it going, this child, my deepest desire isn't about just fulfilling my own need. She started to envision, if my need were met, what good that would do for others. There was a shift that happened to her inside her heart. It went from, I want that at any expense to now I want that so that God can work through that need to bring good to others. So it reordered her priorities. Another thing it did, she walked away with this sense of peace and assurance. Eli said, go in peace after she did that prayer that was so desperate. He said, go in peace. And then you read, she left, she ate, and she was no longer downcast. Did she have her child? Did she have her deepest need yet? No. But yet she walked away completely different. There was something divine that went on that she just proceeded with this confidence and this assurance. And pouring out your soul to God, he does something. I wish I could put a formula up and prove to you what it does, but it, it works something inside. And she was able to experience that. Now, if you know the rest of the story, you know that Samuel, uh, Hannah did go on and have a child. His name was Samuel. She went on to have other children as well. Now, you may say, okay, what's the point? Uh, are you trying to tell me that my, will I always get, as I pour out my soul, will I always get my deepest desire? I wish I could say yes to that. But I got to say, no, you won't always get it. But that's because God understands some of the things, like a child, that's, that's good. But God understands what's good for us, ultimate good for us. He also knows when we want something more than we want him. For he wants us to want him first. That to be our deepest desire. But also at a whole different level, he's concerned about good for all of us, not just Rob and for you. So no, we won't always get what we want. But if you read chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, I think Hannah would give the same counsel as what I'm talking about here. Hannah would say, and read these words after you go home in your devotional, um, bring your rejection, bring your sorrow, bring your discouragement, bring it to God. And what you'll find is that he blesses the weak. He satisfies the poor. And in the midst of that prayer, she still recognizes that he's sovereign. She says words, and these are the words that are hard for us to wrap our minds around in our own life. She says, you bring life, but you bring death. You send poverty and you send wealth. Can't compute. I want everybody to have, you know, all that they need. But she acknowledged that, it doesn't make sense. You, you are much greater than I could ever imagine. And she closes by saying, above all that, what I do know is that he will not make me stumble. 
that my life is strengthened and that I am protected through him. So yes, she got her deepest desire, but she also acknowledged in that song that you can read in chapter two, that even if she didn't, I'm, I'm positive that she still would have been a voice for God. The story could have ended right there, you know, about a mother who cried out for a child, the thing she wanted most, but in the process, she drew closer to the father. We could have stopped there, but we can't. This child, Samuel, in chapter 2, it says he grew. But the way they said it, look in um, verse uh, 26 of chapter 2. Because Samuel is special. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. In stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. Only one other time you'll see this phrasing in scripture. It's only there twice. For the other child, it's Jesus. Those same words are used. So I, I can't just end the story there. I'm not equating Jesus to Samuel. No, but Samuel was... A had a significant impact for God. God used him tremendously. So Hannah, unlike Moses' mother who put him in a basket and put him on the Nile, Hannah didn't put Samuel in a basket. She put Samuel literally in the temple. Remember, she promised that if I had a child, that she would give that child to the service of the Lord for a lifetime. She fulfilled that. She took Samuel and gave him to God. And he went in kind of under an apprenticeship of Levi, uh, of Eli, and um, he was one of the most significant biblical characters you will read about. And God used him to um, be there for people who were desperately crying out. He comes from a family who understands how to handle a cry. The people who were crying out were the Israelites. They wanted a king. That was their deepest desire. I understand what Samuel is walking into. The Israelites, they want a king. They didn't have one at the time. Their economy was a mess. Their spirituality was a complete mess. You know, God had promised Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great people and your nation's going to grow and all people are going to be uh, blessed through you. And as Donnie was here, that, that happened um, they, they, by way of Egypt, and then he rescued them out of Egypt, and he, they were in Israel. Uh, they were there in the promised land, and here's what happened. They, the, there were 12, you know, the sons of Jacob, all 12 of them, all had their little lands, all living independently, all with their different leadership, with the priests, and, but they had a hard time staying united. And they're all, they wanted what other people had, and they, they could not stay united, and here's what they, to sum up, the state of what he's walking into, Samuel's walking into, it's this in Judges. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. The people didn't care what the priests were saying. They did whatever they desired. And they were stuck in this cycle that maybe you can relate to. At least I can. And if you ever look in the book of Judges, you will see this cycle. Life would be going good. They would keep their eyes on God. They'd be in worship like you are today. They'd be doing their devotionals throughout the week, doing their readings. Life's good. And somewhere along the line, it went from being dependent on God to life's good. You know, it's kind of about, I'm independent. 
that, that they never probably said that, but they started living life. They, you know, God always says, you know, you forgot about me. Remember me. I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt because they were forgetting who their strength was coming from. So they would start walking in their own strength, independent. Well, what would happen? Their protection would be weakened. Their enemy would come in on them. And what would they do? They'd cry out, please save us. Right? And then God would fulfill his promise. He'd send the judge. He'd redeem the people. And it just went over and over like, because then they'd have their attention. They keep their eyes on God. But it's a cycle that kept repeating. And I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in others. And perhaps you can relate to being kind of obedient and then just going your own way. That was the state of Israel. And we ought to take heed and pay attention to what uh, Samuel was saying because the Israelites wanted no part of what Samuel was saying. They basically said this in verse 5. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations. In that chapter 8, Samuel tries his best to persuade them you don't want that kind of king. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And they said, basically, I don't care. I want what they have. And then they, they just said, nope, give us a king. And it's totally displeased Samuel because he's supposed to be that last, uh, you know, the last judge and priest. And he's supposed to be pointing people to God. And he gets really, really discouraged. And here's what God says. Listen to all the people Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. You see, we and the Israelites were meant for kingdom living. We are meant to have a king. The problem is, it's not supposed to be us. It's not supposed to be something else. We are meant for kingdom living, but the Israelites wanted the king instead of God rather than a king under God. And so God uses Samuel to basically tell them that, listen, in the process of asking for what the world has, you lose your uniqueness and distinctness as God's chosen people. So when we're trying to be like the rest of the world, we're we're not being God's people. We miss out on the benefit of that. And so today, you got to ask yourself, what, what do we get out of this? What's the cry of your heart? For them, it was a king, this thing that ruled their heart. They wanted that. What is it in your life? What rules your heart? What is it that thing that just tugs at you and you want it at the expense of anything else? Samuel was pointing and saying, listen, that king is not the one you need. That kind of king is just going to get richer and richer at your expense. He's going to control you. And if you've ever had something else rule your heart, that word control is very, very real. I know what that's like. When my priorities are, are messed up, I can feel when something else rules my heart. And that Samuel was just trying to reconnect them and say, no, 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 not that, him. That's who you are to desire. To desire. And so God, you know, long story short, God uses Samuel to kind of kick off the first three kings. And uh, the first one was terrible, was Saul. But the second one, David, was incredible. God said, it's the man after my own heart. 
And he said that his throne, David's throne, would last forever. Now fast forward. Go to Luke 1. The real king comes, Jesus Christ. Did God fulfill his promise? It says there that Jesus sits on the throne of David and his throne will last forever. God fulfilled his promise. And Samuel kept pointing the people to the true king. And like any other great leader of, of biblical times, they would always, when they were transitioning their leadership, they would always go to the people and challenge them on their way out. And Samuel was no different. He did this. And I want to read you his words because um, as we cry out, as they cry it out, um, these words still speak. Verse 14, chapter 12. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if both of you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your forefathers. We should listen to Samuel's call because that he puts forth a principle that again goes from beginning to end of God's story. And it's this, that we, we are meant for kingdom living. God is supposed to be the rule and authority of our life. And there's some like laws that go, divine laws that go around that, that are, are like as good as gravity and the speed of light. And it's this, obedience leads to life. A kind of life that Hannah talked about, that you're, you're, you are strengthened, you will not stumble, you're protected. The reverse of that is true as well. Disobedience leads to destruction. Many times the defeats in our life, you can look back and it was another king that ruled our heart that was why that defeat happened in our life. We really were meant for kingdom living and the true king, Jesus Christ, has come. He fulfills everything that we need. We need his provision. We need his forgiveness. And he is faithful in providing over and over again. And he is continually successful in being victorious over life's enemies. Then, now, and in the future. It's just at that point when, you know, you may be crying out and you're in that moment where you think, I'm going to die if I don't have this thing that I need to make me happy. What a good place to be in. Because it's right there that you realize that he gives you so much more than you would ever imagine. May the cry of your heart and the rule of your heart be for that true king, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you so much that um, I do not have to be the one that leads my life. I know that I am to take an active part in it, but I know when I take the helm, and I try to do things all by myself that um, many lessons are learned and some uh, destruction along the way. I just pray for myself and everybody in here that we would uh, always uh, look at our heart, examine and understand what is our cry out, what is it for. The things may be very good, people, place, thing, whatever it is, but ultimately our cry should be for you first. And from there, you will move forward. And um, that's where we can say we've been to a place 
that we've imagined we'd never be and got more than we would ever imagine. That's our prayer. Help us to check the cry of our heart. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.